Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying this series of Rahula Stepa, Rahula Stepa, as some of the kids drinking Quattro call it. Um, what about last week with old Sophie Hagen in the Royal Family Chat? I wonder what I said then, if only there was some way to find out. Look, these audio podcasts are going to continue whatever happens, but uh, I'm doing another Rahula Stepa, Rahula Stepa Kickstarter for the video ones, for all 34 video episodes we're putting out this year. Um, that might not concern you. You might not care about them. But there are lots of really cool rewards there that I think you might enjoy, like a book of emergency questions, a chance to get your own exclusive emergency question, uh, T-shirts by the Guardian cartoonist Leon Edler that are brilliant, uh, and a chance to be interviewed by me, all sorts of things there, and luxury tickets to the shows, all sorts of things. Uh, so if that appeals to you and you'd like us to help make more content none of the money comes to me it all goes into production costs that's what this is for go to www.gofasterstripe.com slash kickstarter or just look up my website richhone.com and click on the kickstarter page there and donate whatever you want to give um as i say 34 audio episodes this year plus at least three bonus ones um so if you think those are worth three p each you owe me about a pound hmm if you all did it, we'd be able to make uh, podcasts for the next two years. So thanks for listening. This is a cracking podcast coming up with Russell Kane. Hope you enjoy it. Um, thanks very much. See you next week. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who tomorrow will spend his day in bed with his wife's best friend who will be filleting him. And that is true. It's Richard Herring. Oh yeah, living the dream. Living the dream. So, um, welcome to the show. It's called Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, but um, I was hanging out with the guys from... uh, He's 17. Uh, you know the two guys at the back uh, this week. And they call it Rahulastapa. That's how they call it. And then after they call it, they go like that. That's what they do. I don't think that's pretty cool. So I don't know if that will catch on. Uh, so yeah, I am, I'm, we, we started filming uh, As It Occurs To Me, which uh, you people have kindly, uh, you at home as well, have kindly uh, funded, uh, at least partially. We haven't got enough money uh, to, to do what you want to do. Uh, but tomorrow I'm filming a scene in which uh, I will be in bed with Lou Sanders uh, and she will be sucking my cock. I believe it's mainly active, but she, she seems like the kind of person to go method, I think. You? And she's my wife's best friend, so that's a weird thing. That's a weird, it's weird the way things get thrown up in life, isn't it? So I'm looking... I don't think I am looking forward to it. And I, I wrote it. I wrote a, a sketch last week where I show my bum. Again, I've done that f- about five times. I never enjoy it when I come to do it, so I don't know why I keep writing it. I'm just like I'm a, some kind of pervert and um, I always worry because these go out quite a long way down the line and I'm sort of worried that, that t- there's a topical element to this because we're all still worried about the political situation in the whole world uh, <laughs> but I've sort of just decided not to bother about it because these will come out in September, October by which time surely everyone in the world will be dead by then so we, I'm just going to play I'm just going to play or be in our post-apocalyptic wasteland and I'll I'm just going to play to the people in the room, so it doesn't. We, we might talk about Brexit and the fact Donald Trump is definitely going to become president of the United States. We don't know, uh, but uh, I was talking to the comedian Dave Gorman. I think it was it was a bloke called Dave Gorman, and there's a few of them. So I think it was him. And uh, we're sort of like a, we're, you know, I'm kind of at a loss because there's nothing you can do to stop the seemingly all the te- everything's just going wrong. I think really the Labour Party, it's just uh, and and the world and uh, and. Uh, because it, it's creating this sort of political vacuum I was comparing it to 1930s Germany and I was saying I don't think it's like 1930s Germany because I don't think there's a Hitler figure I don't think Nigel Farage is the Hitler figure uh, but I don't think he's got the you know I don't, he's, he's too much of an idiot uh, and uh, not that I'm saying Hitler was a, you know he's misunderstood when he did some good stuff but that's he was charis- more charismatic I would, I would say but then D- Dave Gordon made the point I wonder if it, you know there's lots of people in Nazi Germany or pre-Nazi Germany who were just like quite nice people in the middle going oh it's awful isn't it what can we do nah uh, so which is sort of where you were, suddenly you never think about them do you those people who must have been going wow I don't really like what's going on but fuck it's just awful <laughs> uh, so anyway we're going to hopefully uh, Russell I told him he had five or six minutes to do a wee uh, so hopefully he is ready uh, he's uh, probably best, I'm going to introduce this week's guest. He is probably best known uh, as for his appearance on All Star Family Fortunes. That's why. That's why we're all here. Will you please welcome Russell Kane, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, he's there. Thank you. Welcome. How are you doing? Sit down. Don't pull up a microphone. This is Russell Kane from All Star Family Fortunes. That's where you've seen him. That's where you've seen him. Hello. Hello. How was All Stars Family Fortune? I know you must get asked it all the time. It was good. Was it Vernon Kay was the host? Yeah, I was on there with my mum and my great uncle Ivor. I'm really excited to be here, by the way. I'm looking forward to tomorrow more as your wife's best friend. (laughs) (laughs) I've really had that in my diary for some time. (laughs) 
you, you, are, you are welcome to do that back. That's part of the payment, is you get to suck <laughs> yeah. me off afterwards. That is the payment. For it is, it is. Um, you do, you've done quite a lot of TV. I'm obsessed with TV quiz shows. And I haven't done Family Fortunes, but you've done quite a few of them, haven't you? Family Fortunes weird, because you're sort of unveiling your weird family life on TV. <laughs> I mean, I, t- I describe everything about my family when I'm on stage yeah. anyway. There really are no more secrets. But what it, family were you against on Family Fortunes? On, was, on, 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 let's say all-star Family Fortunes. Yeah, so let's just see, can't, let's I, see. Someone from EastEnders. <laughs> I forgot, I, I, I've honestly forgotten who. But I, was on there with, I was on there with my mum and my yeah. great-uncle, yeah. so my nan's older brother... <laughs> My dream team, he was on there. Is he good at guessing what well, 100 just, people might have said about something? Is well, he was just the boar war. I was there. <laughs> and, uh, no, it, and then I had like an uncle and a, a cousin. I sort of picked quite strategically so different people knew different things. Ah, clever. Uh, and did you win? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think you're quite... You're a, I know, but and then we went through to the final game. You know, the, the, the horrible high-pressure one where you, you're in a sound booth and have to come out afterwards. And my mum went first. She did really well. Then I had to think of a country beginning with C, yeah. and I said Cyprus, and the audience laughed like it was this wildly weird <laughs> suggestion. Like, Cyprus is definitely a country, isn't it? Like, oh my God, I can't believe you said Cyprus. What's that? Like, you know the people that, that, that watch you yeah. know, Family Fortunes obviously didn't think Cyprus was a country, even yeah. though they live in Falaraki. And, uh, and then a mountaineer, a piece of mountaineering equipment, I said crampon, and they had to stop recording. <laughs> Are completely valid just because it rhymed with tampon the whole recording stopped I was disgusted Cyprus didn't get any votes though did Cyprus you got zero and so yeah, exactly. that's why they were laughing at you because you weren't playing pointless if you go mountaineering without a crampon I'll be the one that's laughing at, you, <laughs> at your crumpled body at the bottom of a mountain and you've, uh, you've won Celebrity Mastermind I've, I've been on it twice I did, I did uh, Evelyn War the first time yeah. uh, kind of an unlikely book nerd and uh, so I did Evelyn War the first time, smashed it, because he's quite... I don't any Evelyn War fans in the hell? He's quite, quite plotty. Yeah. So the novels are quite slim, and it's, you know, someone walks into a field, and then their trousers fall down, and then they get drafted into a war accidentally. It's a big plot element, so it's easy to be tested on. And then the second time I did Ernest Hemingway, which oh, yeah. is awful. It's like, a man feels something, the end. And, but for, <laughs> for 300 pages... So, of course, I got completely slaughtered. I did better on my general knowledge than I did on um, my Ernest Hemingway oh, around the second time. Yeah, Ernest Hemingway was very hard. Because there is no, you know, man catches fish, goes home, or doesn't catch fish. It comes back with a detached fish's head. <laughs> Sorry, I've just ruined Old Man in the Sea for a lot of people. <laughs> I was going to read that last week. If you hadn't said which one it was, it yeah, could have exactly. been, been any It could have been a farewell many. to arms. Take that fish. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you've been on uh, Pointless. How did you do on Pointless? One. Yeah, one on Pointless. <laughs> I was on there with Ka- Catherine. It was only because Catherine Ryan was that we got. Oh, Lindsay- Catherine! Well, they put Catherine Ryan on with me. That would be fine. I, I was Lindsay. We got Lindsay Lohan movies, which I know nothing about. Right. And she was like professor of Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> just smashed it. She was, it was so impressive. Good. I and did. I, I did the chase. That was yeah, on, I saw you on the chase. I beat the one that looks like Miss Trunchbull. <laughs> Sixty-seven grand. Wallop. So yeah. And have you been on Tipping Point? Celebrity Tipping Point. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I mean, only uh, my thing is <laughs> I, don't I go. Think so. I go on if it's. I do. Every, all, I, I believe just do one thing for one charity and do loads. So because then you're doing like a PR job for the charity as well by mentioning it on TV all the time. Sure, sure. So I do a lot of stuff for Rethink. So whenever I can get on TV and just go Rethink, Rethink, I, I, I do it. So that's why I do all those things. I've never just genuinely gone on a, a quiz show and tried to like play for a car or anything, but I would. <laughs> I definitely would. I do it for charity as well, but I don't care about the charity. No, I, want, no. I, just, I just want a mastermind trophy and a pointless trophy. I'm not doing mastermind again. Why? How did you do on mastermind? I got 35 points. Is That's good, isn't it? Yeah, I came second. To? Some 
idiot. Was it, was it, was it other comedians? I had the highest ever... I'm not, people who've heard this before can tune out. No, I'm not obsessed with it. No, it was other, it was other celebrities. It was, uh, the football guy who was, wasn't very clever, a woman from Emmerdale who wasn't very clever, and a woman from Antiques Roadshow who was quite, it was quite clever. Mm. But did antiques as a specialist subject, that's not on. But you got the highest ever... I got the highest ever celebrity mastermind score up to that moment and held that for two minutes. <laughs> You're literally when the best ever loser. She, I am. Do you, so, know, yeah. do you know why I won? I, I did a special that was just other comedians. Okay. And if anyone like ever gets to do like a, a charity mastermind thing, pick a subject that sounds quite impressive and hard, like Evelyn Moore, because it's literature and books and stuff, and they go a little bit easier on you. Right. Whereas all the comedians try to show off and do funny stuff. Like, I'm going to do Transformers and, or Jackie Chan movies. I'm just going to do irony in general. <laughs> and, uh, but because... But because they picked, the, you, know, you think if I'm, I'm going to do the Transformers cartoon, they absolutely slaughtered them. Like the Mexahedron transformed to what in the fourth minute of the sixth film? It was just really impossible. But I was like, Evelyn, what's the surname? War. The winner, ladies and gentlemen, the winner. And what was Evelyn War's wife called? Evelyn. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah. So it's easy. But even funnier, she left Evelyn War for a man called. John Evelyn was his middle name, also known as Evelyn sometimes. So <laughs> Evelyn left Evelyn for Evelyn. Some people have got a type. That's all. I know. It's just easy. It's just themselves. Type people to start with O. <laughs> people have the same name as yourself. <laughs> That's the most narcissistic type ever. <laughs> so let's see what I'm going to ask you. Russell Kane, how old are you? Yeah. Well, I've currently got a tour if you want to come and see it. Right, right man, wrong age, because yeah. I hit the landmark birthday. Okay. You did a show called Old. Fuck, I'm 40. Did, I remember yeah. seeing it, thinking, oh, I'll never be 40, man. It seems so far away. <laughs> and then I sort of got to that age. I'm like, shit, man. So you, as a stand-up, you need, to, you need to find stuff to write about. But I can only ever write about stuff... You know, like, if a negative thing's happened to me, I like to push against it. Yeah. And it was all going rather well. And then, uh, and then someone did a story about me pretending to be younger than I was. And I thought, well, rather than cry about it, I thought, what a great thing to do a stand-up show about, about not wanting to get old, about pretending to be younger than you are, about refusing to age, about having to age. And if you wrote it itself. Because before that, I used to take like a, a, a bad... Re- if I had nothing happening to me that was bad, I would take a bad review and pick the worst criticism from that review and turn that into the theme. Right. It was the same person from this website called Chortle. Yes. I think it's one of your, one of your like, best friends or something. He <laughs> might even be your wife's best friend. Hannah, or, and um, every year I would get good reviews and he would say something horrific, like, what a load of rubbish. It's like tired cliches and easy stereotypes. And I thought, well, what a brilliant theme for a show, the nature of stereotype and cliche. Then I would come back and do a show about that, get nominated for the award again, <laughs> even though I just randomly picked his venom and done a show about it. So every year I was thinking, God, if he likes it, I'm fucked. <laughs> what am I going to talk about next year? I did it three times, gaping yeah. floors and human dressage. All of them were, like, I did floors and then I did, like, human posturing. But without that... I never would have had those shows. Does he know? Does he realise? Yeah, yeah, he did, because he refused to come and see the one after, and then he sent someone else instead, and I got a five-star review (laughs) for that website. I don't work for him anymore. You wrote, a, you wrote a book about a critic, though, was, as well. Was that, was that based on him as well? No, the, cri- the, the character was based on some of the stand-ups you meet backstage. Like, you and, I, you, you and I, I think, well, we've just been chatting backstage, there's not much gap between our personalities backstage and how we are now. We're a bit more animated and a bit ruder and looking for the laugh. It's roughly the same people, whereas you wouldn't believe how different <laughs> some people are right miserable bastards and they go welcome to the stage comedian X they're like hello everyone how are you doing and they're like, completely depressive and miserable and can't find humour funny anymore because they've heard too much of it 
So that I originally started with the stand-up as the character, but then I thought it, it would be even more outside the realm of joke-telling and performance if he were a critic yeah. that had a savant perception of humour. Like, you know, like in A Beautiful Mind, where the guy sees maths spelt out in gas in the sky. Imagine if you were like that with puns, with wordplay. <laughs> yeah. You saw every bit, every bit of wit spelled out. So an autistic savant skill, but with a, an inability to emotionally experience humour at yeah. all. Uh, um, so, yeah, that's how I started with that character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, I've mentioned that we'll talk about Stuart Lee, but I don't like talking about him anymore, but he's... Um, I, I really he's... like Stuart Lee. Is it not fashionable anymore? I've only just like, really got into it. I, yeah. I thought, I, it's one of my favourite uh, TV programmes. So I'd get in from my gig, having been serving McDonald's all night, and just enjoy a bit of steak when I got in. <laughs> no, it, I, it's, I like a wide... A, a wide spectrum of humour. Yeah, I yeah. find it harder to enjoy stuff that's similar to what I do, obviously, because I can see it working, but I'll find like slapstick or one-liners hilarious or stuff that's really, really droll and dry and intellectually dark because it's so far from what I do, I can forget that I do this for a living and lose myself in it. I think that's probably why I like it. Yeah. But he's... Well, there's a poster backstage, which is your poster from when you were here, yeah. and it says, Sorry, I wasn't Stuart Lee. No, I said, it says, I wish I was good like Stuart Hall, and then Hall's crossed out, and, <laughs> and I put Lee instead. OK. <laughs> because what happened was, Stuart Lee did a, a routine about me, which was very, which was very funny, and I, I'm assuming he's written it wanting people to take, the, take it in good faith. I found it quite funny. Uh, I don't think my mum did, because the punchline was, Your dad's dead, get on with it. But I found it quite funny. <laughs> and... Uh, I did find it. I found it funny. <laughs> and, then, and then he wrote something in a newspaper about, about me as well. It might in a column or he said it in an interview uh, where they said, why are you having to go at all the Russells? Because he had this thing about where he had to go at all the Russells are they being made in a factory up north? Which is very, I was doing a similar bit myself, like, yeah. weirdly enough. On set. And uh, he was like, to be honest with you, I've never seen Russell Kane show. I used to have this blonde streak in my hair. Went, I've never seen Russell Kane show, but because he's got a streak in his hair, I know he's shit. So... <laughs> I thought that's really funny as a premise, so I went on to try and do a joke about him. But every time I did started a routine with Stuart Lee, the audience muddled it with Stuart Hall in their head because he was in the news at the moment. Yeah. And like, you think every- I don't think it's just because of that. No. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're all comedy nerds, so we like you're probably all like real hardcore comedy geeks in the room. But you forget most people have only heard of a handful of really really mainstream comics. But I wanted to do a routine about how funny it was that someone is like the king of liberal land, Stuart Lee, would yeah. judge someone by their visual appearance rather than the content of their character. Yeah. So I had a routine saying, maybe if I wore a star instead, Stuart, I could live in a ghetto if that would help. <laughs> and, well, of course it didn't, it didn't work because they thought I meant the pedo. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. But it's, stra- it's strange because, well, there's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice that you uh, found it funny because I think a lot of people who Stuart's done yeah. stuff about have, have found it have been a bit hurt by it because you you know I've seen re- interviews before it happened where you're saying how he's the king of stand up and he's the best it's stand-up. like I qu- found it the equivalent you know in Kill Bill where she's getting trained and the master strikes her in the face it's like an honour isn't it you know the one with the silver <laughs> the silver beard goes you're like thank you master <laughs> I looked at it like that yeah it's Stuart Lee's doing a joke about it. you're obviously doing something ro- right or wrong however you might want to look at you at least you're, you're, you're doing something that's getting your, your, your voice out there. yeah well, if you can't take a joke if you've got to have thick fucking skin to do stand-up. I don't understand someone that could have, hear a stand-up, do a joke about it, and go, my feelings are hurt, and then do a job where someone, which actually happened one night, could lob a dildo at the stage from a hen party. <laughs> <laughs> if you can take that, you can fucking take a witticism about you, but from Stuart yeah. Lee. 
But do you think people uh, underestimate you? Do, do you think, there's, do you think there's, that's interesting that he's judged you by that, you know, admittedly ridiculous well, streak in your hair? He says, he, uh, he goes, it's the, char- it's the character of Stuart Lee. I have to remember yeah. that one. Oh, it's the character of me getting my knob out in Tesco. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> and the character uh, shares all of Stu's views and opinions. Yeah. That is, having spoken to him off stage, if anything, the character's a bit more of a palatable version of it. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, please note, Stuart, I've not said anything horrible. <laughs> but it's interesting. I think there's an element. Is, do you think there's a classist element to that? Because you're a, you know, well, I've, you're from Enfield, but sort of seen as this but South he, End. But he is work, he's working class maker, isn't he? Isn't he? Well, he's like sort of working class parvenu who went to Oxford and all Well, he went to public school in Oxford, yeah. But oh, he, did he? But he got on a scholarship, but you know. Yeah. I suppose. The, the, Re- Not like me, I went to a proper comprehensive in Somerset that was nice. Yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, he, he doesn't strike me as a class snob, but there, no. there is a, I think... No, not necessarily him, but do you think there's, do you think there's an, an element of that? Because you're a very erudite and intellectual person, and you're very well... Well, you listen to audiobooks, I remember you telling me. That's what, all I listen to. Yeah, I listen on to the Stephen Pinker at the moment. Has right. anyone read it? Better Angels of Our Nature is so good. And um, I, I think this particular accent... If I, if I had, like, a Yorkshire accent or a Scottish accent... Like, but, I, but I'd educated myself. People just think, oh, you're from Yorkshire, but you've got an education. But there's something, in, and this isn't just me uh, coming up with stuff off the top of my head. This is pr- proved in surveys and, and stuff. It's the, one of the least trustworthy accents you can have, the Essex accent. It, it's one of the least intelligent-sounding accents, empirically so. So when people are asked what they think the intelligence level of someone like me is, it's yeah. something, to do, think, something to do with the, <laughs> the squaw... The, the weird contradiction in the openness of the vowel, like if I asked Mickey Flanagan, yeah, the end of the word would be open. But with an Essex accent, where you're trying to sound a bit better than you are, I used to do stand-up about this, you, you, an Essex person actually, the more Essex they are, the more they pinch the end of the word. Right. But if you notice, the yeah. middle of the word's still thick as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like... You know when someone's saying, I'm definitely not going to touch you, you think they're, they're going to touch me. So <laughs> when, if your voice is saying, I'm not thick, I promise, you think the person's thick. So immediately, which is why I try not to slip into that, there's a whole uh, bag of words that I resist from using, which I know is the correct word, so that I don't fall into Russell Brand disease of using like a polysyllabic word, because people think, if you've got a working-class accent, then oh, you, you're not really using that polysyllabic word, you're just using it to show off. Whereas if I went on and went, of course, as an anti-classist element and started talking about empiricism and classes, you wouldn't, you wouldn't judge the use of the polysyllabic word. Yeah. That, is, that is real. I'm sure other people in the room have experienced that. You're, so you're, more, you're more shy about showing your learning because it doesn't match your accent. That's mm. the, that is the biggest prejudice of this country, that American and Australian people cannot get their head around. It is before you got to the end of the sentence, that person listening to you knows roughly where you're from, your economic, how you started in life, has made a guess about your intelligence level. But I do think with the Essex accent there is a, there is a mismatch. We're not all thick. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's interesting, because I think your stuff, is, your stand-up is, is you know, in, is, is similar to Stuart's in a lot of ways in the subjects it's covering. And, I you suppose know, so, yeah. You know, and so, but, but you wouldn't, I don't think, uh, someone like Steve Bennett, who you were mentioning from Chortle, I'm guessing, yeah. uh, is, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't put you in the same, you know, wouldn't put you in the same He just doesn't, box. I don't know why Steve Bennett doesn't like my, my stuff. I mean, it's only nerdy comedians that go on the website, thankfully. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, just not everyone's going to like what you do, are they? I mean, comedy, no, humor is subject. It's... The stuff that makes me laugh is, like I say, either so intellectually obscure or so 
I was at the comedy store a little while ago. I can't remember which comic it is. You probably know which one it is. And the guy, the guy does a routine about different types of, of fart, which he does with his voice. He goes, and here's the queen on the toilet, and he has an echo that comes on, and here's after a curry, and all the comedians backstage were going, oh, my God, the audience loved it. I was cry, crying. <laughs> Why did you hear the queen on the toilet? That's exactly what a fart would sound like. I, mean, that, I can't help it. That is ge- that's genuinely what makes me laugh. Yeah. I've got a very puerile and like childish sense of humour, but yeah. I also love finesse things. I'm yeah. just a weird Venn diagram you can't solve. But that's you know, that's interesting. You know, like you were telling me, you do you're doing these caning uh, YouTube videos or uh, Facebook videos, yeah. and uh, you you just you're improvising those, and they seem so well thought out and and structured. Thank you. <laughs> so it's it's amazing to they're very they're very you know about the sort of topical subject. You take a topical subject. So, uh, so what happened was uh, I did this project recently called Stupid Man Smartphone. It's BBC Two, BBC Three thing. Or, you know, BBC Three now is like shown on BBC Two. And the idea was, did anyone see it? To test the hypothesis. Oh, I can Google it. How many times have you said that this week? I don't need anyone to show me. I'll just Google it. And we're using it for more and more stuff that we're, human beings used to teach us. So we yeah. thought, what? How far can you take that? Can you go to a desert and survive with just a smartphone and Google? So we're testing all this. And I'm working with all these YouTubers and stuff. And they're all about 12. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> and they're like, Rus- Russell, why do none of your other comedians just put a tripod on a table, do stand-up, full-quality stand-up like they would do on stage, down the barrel and post it online? And I, I couldn't... I didn't know why. I thought, well, maybe people don't want to give their jokes away or maybe people are scared of being judged. So I thought... These fucking kids are driving Lamborghinis around, (laughs) filling the O2. I thought, fuck it, I'm going to give it a go. I literally got home, picked a story I didn't even care about. I had to look look up who some politician was. But then once I got into it, I could make jokes about anything. Put the tripod on. Did a bullet point, like, oh, Michael Gove's funny because of the specs or something. And just start, (laughs) we'll just start speaking for six minutes. And then I spent 40 minutes cutting it to one and a half, two minutes, and then I posted it. And the first one did 80,000. Now, if you think, like, if you do a program on one of those, on one of the cable channels, like a comedy program, 100,000 people might watch. So to have 80,000 people watching your stand-up as you're speaking to them, I'm like, bloody hell. And then tickets started to sell. Then I did one about the sugar tax, and that did 800,000. Then I did one about junior doctors. That's done 2 million. And I thought, fucking hell, there's something in this internet lark. No wonder you're at it. I've been, I've been overproducing it. I should have just done this at home on my iPhone. But, but, I, but you never have the confidence to improvise like that for an audience with it. No, and no. if it goes wrong, who's going to see it? You just stick the file in the, in the trash. But, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. I think yeah. Victoria Beckham kissed her child on the lips the other day and some people were having a go about it. So yeah. I thought, well, that's, that's a good one. What kind of a person is offended by that? Only someone that sees something sexual in that act, right? Which is dodgy as fuck. So I thought, <laughs> right, that's what I'll do. I just started speaking. I do silly voices. But people said, why are you doing these annoying jump cuts, Bruce? Stop trains with her. It's not that. It's because I've just filmed for six minutes. How else am I going to edit it? I'm standing in a different position. <laughs> but it's literally an hour and... An hour and a half's worth of work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's, I think it's very, it's, you know, and, you, and you're, you're, you're taking, I mean, you're doing the, you did the Shakespeare show, this fake, Shakespeare stuff. Yeah, that was something you? else weird, yeah. Yeah. So, Which, again, it, I don't think people would have pegged that onto you, you know, immediately as where you, where you would go. So you're taking... I just love, I love books. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get the violin out or anything, but I don't exactly come from... <laughs> I didn't go to public school or anything like that. No. My dad was a manual labourer. My mum's a cleaner. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're born sort of nerdy, effeminate, and into books, it's hard to. You've got no one to guide you. Like they're not doing. Any, they're not sort of emotionally abusing you. You've just got no one to, to guide you. So that was my way of, 
you know, tunnelling into middle class land with yeah. where I could hear this, I could hear Radio Four through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I'm like, ignore it. It's nothing. There is nothing the other side of the wall. Like, Dad will be back with a kebab soon. And, uh, but I, I don't know. I was just naturally drawn to stuff like that. So what I, what I, I was doing um, a routine once on. So, so what I've discovered, I don't know if anyone else has gone, like comes from ultra council state background and, and has got a degree, right? You always carry that chip on your shoulder and you always think you're going to be exposed as a fraud because you're not really, really posh and intelligent because you started life ignorant. Like, it's always at the back of your mind. And when I'm under pressure, or I think a room of people don't like, like me, I don't mean the stand-up context, I mean the social context, I start to swear, I, forget, I, I drop nouns out, I don't speak as carefully as I should. And uh, basically, I got booked to do this literary festival for these private school kids uh, in Sky, and they'd all they'd had all like this. Go to the Strindberg Forum, and then at the end of the week, they had it was you know a bit of light-hearted entertainment, something a bit of working-class entertainment. I'll have a bottle of beer, heckling Muriel, it'll be fun. It was like that sort. Of, it was that atmosphere. And I went on. I've been told not to swear, and because everyone was a bit, I could tell they didn't like me. I didn't, I'm not someone who swears just to be offensive because I've been told not to. I just went on straight away and dropped an F-bomb. I was like, oh, God, oh, shit. Oh, sorry, oh, shit. And one of those. <laughs> Dying horribly in front of 14-year-old public school children and the teachers sort of sat like that, indoor cravats, still blowing. <laughs> and and I, like, when I put these words on stage, it was so slow, I kept expecting Stephen Hawking to emerge to explain what was happening with time. <laughs> <laughs> You're having a shit gig. And... <laughs> This kid stood up. You know how tall posh people are, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they've had nutrition for generations, yeah. so they're really tall. But my ancestors are like, we don't eat cows here, Mr. Fucking Con. And the, this posh kid, I've been so long since I've described this story, I can't remember what he said, so I am fabricating a little bit. It was something like stand-up comedian. Like, he didn't even heckle, he just went stand-up comedian. He, he described what I did for a living yeah. in a spiteful voice. Right. And everyone, everyone else laughed and clapped. And I basically pointed at him and made a joke about his grandmother. What I actually said was, I've had your nan, was how I phrased it. I was was taken off stage. I was actually escorted off. And as I I left, that's when the guy said to me, why don't you try looking up a real writer, go back to Shakespeare? And I was at the side of this... Literally, I didn't even leave the gig. I was thinking, how can someone live in a world where they honestly think that if you and I were to have an argument in Nando's, we would resort to Shakespearean insults as a way of resolving it. And that's what started... You know, if I went, thou art a crow, Richard, be silent. And that's what started this journey of... Rather than doing, say, what Upstart Crow has done and what every other bloody production in Edinburgh does, which is take the stories we already recognise, Romeo and Juliet, and put them in speech we use now, I wanted to go the other way around. So... Darren's cheating on Kelly behind the bins at Yates's. Donna doesn't know. What would that sound like in blank verse? No reference. They don't look for Hamlet. You will not find a reference to Hamlet in there. All you will find is the rhythmic patterns of Shakespeare. Yeah. You know. So that's what... And I, I just started doing it. I've got like a, a simile thing where I can do... like Just think of similes, you know. And uh, so I just started writing it and that's, that's when I came up with that, that, that play and I took yeah. it on the road. Derek Jacobi came to see it. Yeah, it's, you know, did, did you do it in Stratford-Pon-Even? Yeah, we yeah. Did, the, in the end, the guy... The, the, I forget, oh, sorry, I forgot the name of the last artistic director. I can't remember what his name is. Um, some cunt, isn't it? Yeah, some cunt. <laughs> and uh, Michael Sumcunt emailed me. Uh, when I saw M Sumcunt, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, it's spelt with a K and... Um, <laughs> 
I, he said, look, it's, I saw a video of you doing this. It's really funny. How do you feel about performing on our open day? We'll sell tickets. We'll run it like a proper production. We've got nothing in the main room in the evening. Fantastic. I was a barely known stand-up at the time. It still did a 1,000 tickets. Wow. And, and you, I can't hear how the nerdy geek-gasms I was having. So I'd deliver a, a simile. At the time, it, Girls Aloud was still there. So I'd do like, I desire thee as all of Girls Aloud combined. The ginger one, remove Ed. And then you would... <laughs> You would pause, and there'd be an applaud at the end of each. And a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful use of trope. Continue to the next. It was honestly one of the best days of my life. Well, you know, but Shakespearean audiences like laugh at anything that resembles a joke. So imagine <laughs> giving them actual, giving them actual jokes. Yeah, they must have exploded. What fuck? Yeah, they're actually funny things. Yeah, that aren't just. Some of them had strokes. It was so powerful. <laughs> no, it, that was a weird thing to tour. Yeah. But a lot of people came to see it thinking it was going to be stand-up, so halfway through the tour I had to go on first, like a bit like you've done tonight, and say, yeah. like, hi guys, um, there's going to be a play tonight, so if anyone wants to get a refund, they can, and then, and then we did the play. It's like, weird. So uh, I'd like to sort out some internet disputes. I don't know if this is, um, this might be a real thing. So on your, I looked through the IMDB page, that's how I found out about Wolfstar Family Fortunes, but... Um, According to IMDB, and this might be true, you were, you're listed the first person I've ever seen under transportation department. No, they're... Uh, and I'm, it's you... According where the wild to, things are. Where the wild things are, you were the driver, creatures, uncredited. <laughs> is that, is that no, you? That's not true. I, I, no. I don't know why that's on there. <laughs> there's, there's obviously a driver or someone yeah. called with the same name yeah. as me, which isn't my real name. Uh, I, wish I'd pick, I wish I'd picked another name. When I first started stand-up, I... Didn't, I'd never seen live stand-up in my life. I didn't, not, not in a disrespectful way. It wasn't, just wasn't something I was interested in. I'm into plays and books and all of that. But someone at work told me to do it as a dare. And my surname was so bloody unpronounceable, I just put, read out a load of names at work, and I was like, which one runs quite well with Russell? And they picked, if I'd have known there was a Russell <laughs> Howard and a Russell Brand, I would have picked another first name as well. Yeah. That's not even, it's not even my real name. And did your dad appear as an extra in Doctor Who? That's true. Is that true? That is true, yeah. And there's a... Oh, Toby, do you know Toby Hadoka? Yeah, yeah. Is it, is, am I saying it right? I or think so, yeah. He's this absolute um, Doctor Who like nerd on a level you can't imagine, like encyclopedic. They, they all are as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of you I realise now aroused at the end of that sentence. <laughs> oh, tell me more. And uh, I, I, he couldn't believe that my dad... He was like, what episode was your dad was in? I said the name of the episode. He went, your dad's not David Grinnell, is he? He knew the name. <laughs> and my dad is an unspeaking part. My dad's a, a bodybuilder, a professional bodybuilder. And he walked on topless and then got shrunk by a Dalek in a cubicle and then went, walk off here. Me, 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 me. That's my dad's showbiz career. It's a metaphor for how he felt on the inside. Oh. <laughs> I'm just going on his behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. My, yeah. dad, my dad was a, he was a model, a bodybuilder, and, and weirdly, he tried stand-up as well. He did a season he, as a... Is it a red coat? Is that yeah, right? well, I think it's yellow coats. Or red, well, the red coats are the... Red, no, the red coats are... No, no the communists. Hum- no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did comedy on horseback while people changed yeah, the cockroaches. Right, yeah, yeah. So. It was an English revolution. <laughs> no, no, he, he's, so yeah, he tried it, and he, he, was a, he was just starting as a sheet metal worker and lagger and manual labourer, and he was just trying it on the circuit. Yeah. When him and Mike Reed, the comedian who used to be in EastEnders, were gigging together. And my dad was like, this is shit, it's going nowhere. And he left, and then Mike Reed became famous. Wow. So he's always, that was another thing he was always bitter about, swearing <laughs> at him. Yeah. So your dad was very emotional, to, didn't express his emotions to you, is he, what I'm getting from your comedy. He was. Practice. So 
you know one of these, and there are lots of men like it, there's some girls like it as well, you know just like everything's a disaster, the slightest thing goes wrong, the whole day's ruined. A depressive, not depressed, a depressive character. Mm-hmm. So a traffic jam on the way to a short weekend, the whole weekend's fucked, that's it. <laughs> Even the next day when we're there, the memory of the journey <laughs> would continue to cancer the rest of the weekend. That, like that. Glass yeah. of water at dinner, whole meal ruined. Everything, everything was a drama, a disaster, everything to get hit up about. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's how I would describe him. That's quite intense to be. Yeah. But, and although he was aggressive, like with objects, not with me, and that was one of his boasts, I've never hit you, but I've never <laughs> fucking hit Like he was father of the year. But not, <laughs> I have never punched my offspring. <laughs> Where's Banky Moon with my peace prize? <laughs> Mental, yeah. It's sad, really, isn't it? Like, it's, it's, he was just one of those blokes that could not control that toddler. Where's my keys? Where's my fucking keys? Then the gasket would blow. Yeah. Just one of those. Just one of those blokes. There's lots of us out there. It doesn't, I don't think that's a class thing either. No, no, no. There's no. plenty of. I'm gonna lose my rag in a minute, Jemima. There's plenty of. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. We had Marcus Brigstock on a few weeks ago, and, you know, he, he's. The whole boarding school thing of just sending your kids away. I mean, it's. It's horrific, really, when you think about it. I yeah. think, because you know, you're not in that world, you don't think how awful that must be to be seven years old. That's too young. And sent it? away to school yeah. without your parents. So you just feel like that, you know, that break away. By 12, I, though, I was, bang up, I was bang up for it. Yeah. A lot of 12, <laughs> a lot of 12 year olds would, would be up for it, but seven I is guess, young. but I think it would still affect you. So, you know, like, I think that it's, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, now, because you're a parent as well, but I mean, I can't imagine. You know, not feeling that bond yeah. and not wanting to, you know... I was, I was saying that to my Lithuanian nanny just before I... We <laughs> <laughs> haven't got Lithuanian. <laughs> <laughs> She's Polish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're lucky, oh. we both work from... Lindsay, Lindsay works, she runs an eyelash brand. So she works, we both at home, so we go yeah. out to juggle, luckily. Yeah. So far. Um, I'll do this bit, which is um, the Dirty Britcon Confessions. You'd imagine there's a lot of... The, have you seen this website? No. Um, it's where people uh, put their sexual fantasies about comedians. All right. Usually British comedians, but there are some international How have ones. I missed this? I'm very surprised you have missed it. And there's quite a lot of yours, and they're mainly oh, just Christ. boringly, I, I want to have sex with you, but there's a couple that I'd like to run by you. I'm... <laughs> this doesn't sound I'm good. a gay man, and while I don't... Stop reading out, Richard. Stop reading out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, this is true of me as well, this. I'm a gay man, and while I don't normally find Russell Kane particularly attractive... Lovely, passive aggressive. <laughs> Peter? <laughs> I, I had a minor identity crisis when I saw him doing Crazy in Love. Yeah. Which you did uh, Let's Dance with Comic Relief. That, again, was one of the most amazing things I've ever... I, I was the same, though. I saw you on this, and I didn't quite know what to... Th- now I've remembered it, I can't quite look you in the eye. <laughs> not the, not the cross-dressing element of it, but I never tried to learn a dance in my life. Obviously, right. I'm the first one up at the wedding, and I love dancing. I like to think I've got natural rhythm, but I've never tried to learn a dance. I thought I'm going to be awful at it, but I absolutely loved it. I've sort of found something else I would, you know, I, I would be up for. Yeah. If I hadn't done But you looked, you looked, you were very impressive looking. I mean, I'm surprised it's a gay man, sort of a gay man That's who weird. fancied you when you yeah. were dressed as a woman. It's normally some straight bloke. Yeah. Guy, if you just I'd, put that on for me. What I would say is I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a gay man, but yeah. I would tell, I remember I tweeted about a thing at the time saying, you know, you, I've got, I'd give me a bit of a hop. You're a very beautiful woman, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you very much. What a compliment. Uh, and, uh, okay, this is another one. Uh, I, I want to have a four way with Joe Swash, Greg James, and Russell Kane. Failing that, I can live with just Russell Kane. That's nice, isn't it? Is, that, is it? I wouldn't, or wouldn't you be thinking all the time you're having a two-way with this person? They'd prefer if there was yeah, if yeah. Joe Swash was here. Was I mean, do you know who wrote? We know anything? I don't. About it's anonymous. Or? It's a completely anonymous no, thing. That's killed my boner. 
<laughs> I could just see a floating ghost with the horn. <laughs> but you had plenty of time to do it. You, you, well, you talk about that. I've seen you talk about it in interviews, but you, there was a time when you were single before I've only you met your wife. I've never been single. I'd never yeah. had a one-night stand. I'd never been on a lad's holiday. I went all the way through uni with my girlfriend's picture on my wallet. I was one of these pathetic, worse than someone that sleeps around... I was serial monogamist. Yeah. Split up with someone on, on the Saturday. I'm going to fuck everything that moves by next Saturday. I think I love it. <laughs> I call myself a love grenade. I'm all right so long as the pin is in, but then... I love you! <laughs> and so my mum, obviously I was getting older and older and kept this same pattern, repeats differently the weren't, and then it would go wrong. And my mum's had a photo frame that's just getting thicker and thicker at the back. <laughs> definitely the one. And so... It, Weirdly, it was my mum that said to me when I split up with this particular girl, she's like, no more. You're, you have to have it. Because you've had, I've had a girlfriend since I was 16. The longest gap I'd ever had was 10 days. Seriously. And I've always, it's always like really intense and really in love. And the shortest relationship had been nine months. And she's like, you have to have a year on your own. She wasn't telling me to sleep around. That would be weird. Go on, Sam, Nicky, go on. Like the clappers. Your arse was a blur. I was so proud. <laughs> no, she meant... Stop needing to need yeah. some. Need some. Oh my god, I feel it's therapy. But so I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, I'm not telling anyone to have a one night stand and be that crass. But for me, it was important to know what it felt like to go out, you know, have mm-hmm. a bit of nookie and then not have to immediately go, do you want to move in the next day? <laughs> so I did, I did have a wild. I, I lasted eight months. I didn't yeah. even make the year because I met Lindsay, and now we're married with a baby. And you met Lindsay at a, at a gig. She was in the audience of a gig. She was at the, in the front row yeah. of a gig. Could have been you. Bloke is there. Oh, could have uh, <laughs> been you. And uh, it was in. It was in. Uh, it was. Imagine up. if it had been you. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like that? Would you prefer it if Greg James and yeah. Joe Swash had been there as well? I recognise you from that Beyonce <laughs> post. And uh, she was. Uh, she had what looked like a fur coat on her lap it was fake fur but I, I thought it was real fur which I'm not like massive fan of and uh, so I said to her where are you from and she's like I'm from Manchester but it was quite posh you know a bit like Audrey from Coronation Street <laughs> so I was, I was making fun of her so she was sat with her mum and dad in the front row saying you're so posh that when you wax mink fur comes off of your pudendum I was like oh my minkies come off it's just the type of crass stuff you do at the top of an, a stand up set so I did that for ten minutes made fun of her and I said to my tour manager I bet I never see that girl ever ever again and I was just in the process of split, splitting up with my current girlfriend at the time, so it wouldn't have been appropriate. But I tweeted just one word, Minky. You can probably find the original tweet somewhere. And then a week later, one of her friends found that tweet and went, does this relate to that? Is this an in-joke about what you were saying on stage just a week ago? It was, who's this girl? Oh, there she is. But by then, I was in my single face. So it took a few months before I even met up with Lindsay. And we had a date, and I, I told her straight. I was like, look... I wasn't the type of guy that was like, yeah, man, I'll give you everything I want. I'm, like, I'm currently in a single phase. I'm here for sexual intercourse. And uh, if you'd like to sign this consent form, there would genuinely be no feelings afterwards. Uh, I, because I couldn't bear the thought of a girl going, oh, you've hurt my feelings. So I, I had to be completely clear. So I told Lindsay that's where I was. I said, if you want to wait for me, that's fine. If you don't, that's done. She was like, well, absolutely nothing's going to happen tonight. Do you know what I mean? I'm not that type of girl, so you can get yourself back to London. And that, those words really rung through my head when she left in a wheelchair the next morning. <laughs> and, no. and we waited. <laughs> we waited, and then eventually in August, we'd seen each other a couple of times, and me again, remember what you were, you're just winning that bitches, but I'm, oh, God, I'm falling in love. And uh, 
And then I just gave up in August, and I was like, I'm in love with you. And then, we, then now we're married, and we've got a baby. It's mental, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But I lasted, I did eight months of single. I had to know what it was, what it was like, just in case. Brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant being single. Yeah. Now, now you look back, oh, fuck. <laughs> Why didn't I do another 15, 20 years? That's, what I, that's all I, that's my only regret about meeting my wife. When I, was, when I was 40. It have only been like 20 or 30 years down the line. <laughs> I found it a bit... It then got, I'd have been bored of it. It would have been awful then. It got to the point, because, I guess because I've got, those, I've got those urges to like fall in love and be with someone anyway, it got to the point where, you know, like I haven't, say I've done 10 gigs on the trot, done a bit of telly, knackered, sat down, perfect at night to have you know, a night in on your own, maybe watch like a nerdy bit of stuff, I get a mate round, and then you think, oh my God, sort of c- compulsively desiring female company. I thought, I'm not that type of Russell. So I thought, um, <laughs> enough is enough, let's start dating and see what happens. Yeah. That was it. Now I'm trapped. No. <laughs> I'm very happy. And you, are you enjoying being a dad? I mean, your, your daughter's a little bit younger than mine, so she's... she's nine about, months. Nine months. Yeah, that, yeah, the eighth trimester. No. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's really good. So we, have, we got her on a schedule and everything, which means everyone around us thinks we're abusive parents. Because our child, if your child sleeps through the night, people think you must be doing something wrong. You should be up every two hours, have the baby in your bed, be in the spare room, and be at marriage counselling. But our baby sleeps through. It's uh, mental, but it's true. What time do you get to sleep until? So we, so when Lindsay was pregnant, everyone was like, "Be prepared to get up at five a.m." So I thought, right, I've researched the arse out of everything till there's no joint. Even holidays, I go on TripAdvisor till there's no fun left in the experience. Right? If there's any fun left in it, you haven't researched it properly. Um, I don't believe a baby magically knows when sunrise is. What a baby detects is light. If your baby's waking at 6am, your blackout is shit. So we have... Look, I built a helmet. I know it rhymes with helmet, but it's a valuable. <laughs> I built a helmet. Like, you know that when your hotel has the bit that hangs down that the curtains draw through? I got that built on with wood. My mum's yeah. partner's a carpenter. Heavy blackout-backed curtains and blackout stick-on lining on the curtains. So you can't walk through that room at midday. So I said to Lindsay, pick a time you want them to wake up at. So we put something that's respectable, not too late. So we do 8.30 to 8.30. We decided that before she was born. She still does it. Like, it is doable. You just, my, am, I, am I being boring about it? No, no, that? well, I don't care. I'm, I'm, when, I'm interested to hear how I'm getting up. Has anyone got sleep? Most, all babies are born back to front chronologically because when a woman's pregnant she's, she's walking around all day so the baby's being rocked and the second she sits down to read a book or watch TV the baby starts kicking so all babies are born awake at night screaming all night asleep all day so all you've got to do is just nudge little, little, stay awake you little bastard during the day and go to sleep now you little shit just for a few weeks and then just help them to learn that yeah. you'll sleep at night on my schedule <laughs> and, uh, you have to with our job Without, yeah. I don't know about you but I can't like I could, maybe TV or radio or something, I could blag it with four or five hours sleep, but full stand-up touring show. Yeah, it's very difficult. But, you know, but I, you know I'm not, the good thing is you're, you're, you're away. But I find it hard to sleep. I, I find it hard to, I find it hard to sleep. about fatherhood in, is not being... Uh, <laughs> I find it hard to sleep in hotels. But, yeah, and I'm like, you know, I go, I'm, I, we get up about... She usually gets about six hours, but that's... I can, I, can do a, I can do a tour show off six hours sleep, but not two nights of six hours sleep. Yeah, I guess... I've, got, I've, got, I've kind of got used to it now. I, but because I'm a bit older as well, I was just... Before the baby was born, I was waking up at six anyway. I often wake up before, to be honest. Just starting so. to wear a full suit. <laughs> it is. I need to, need to... I wonder what age the shaky whistle starts. Old men always have a shaky whistle. <laughs> <laughs> It's all, it's all falling yeah, the apart. The first day you do, you sh- and then a piss lean, where you lean, lean and piss yeah. like. <laughs> Definitely that. You, 
Or you just sit down to have a wee. That is, that, that's, that's when you really know. It's a fly landing on my observation. I know, the fly is coming. There's, there's one, there's it's one, one there dying in front of us. The fly... Sure I'd got that. But it's, do you know the flies when they get to October, the ones that don't fly off as you go to swat them? Because they're like, I'm dead in two days, mate. What are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> you know the fat ones signing on Polish, probably. They're gone now because of Brexit. And... Uh, <laughs> No, that, that, was, that was one of those ones, wasn't it? Yeah. A bit of those fat ones. Yeah, it was fat. I thought I definitely got it, and it, was, it got me, got away. Um, <laughs> I thought of a new emergency question on the way here, see if I can do it. Um, I, I have given up on Domino's pizza. I've, I've had enough. It's always fucking horrible. <laughs> but every time I order, I think it's going to be nice, and it's always horrible. Yeah. Is there anything that you've given up on in a similar way? <laughs> You finally realise after doing it for a long time, you get no pleasure from doing it. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to do myself out of any work here, but the funniest answer was was the name of a show, probably. And uh, uh, what food-wise or anything? Anything can be anything. But it can be food. It's just that I suddenly I went past the Domino's on Shepherd's Bush, and it was closed down, and they were gutting it. I thought, good. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure they're bringing it back, I know. better and stronger. Long, long bath every, every yeah. time. Because Lindsay's so good at floating in the bath for two hours and staring at the wall to the point yeah. where I'm actually going, what are you doing in there? And, <laughs> and every time I think, I should, you know, that'd be good for me. I'm stressed. I'm a hyperactive person. Maybe I should float in there every time after two minutes. I'm hot. It's boring. It's shit. <laughs> so now I've stopped trying. I'm, yeah. If I could have a shower with, a, with an entrance and an exit either side, I would literally foam and run through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that could be done. I'm sure that could be done. Is that sexist to say that? that men, no. men are more rubbish at having long baths than women. I like having long baths, so it's all right. So the girl. sex is the sex is gone. Uh, and I like lush. I like having lush bubble baths in there. I, I like the pink ones, and then everything's pink. I like all the idea of it. And then I, you know, you settle down with your book, and then you start to over. And then half an hour later, even after I've got out, I'm, I'm still sweating up. I'm still sweating up half an hour. I just overheat. I, I like. I, like, I play Adam's family pinball in uh, on that? my. Oh my, it's the best thing in the world. Well, it's, it's generally, I believe, the greatest work of art in, from human history, the greatest creation of human history. It's a pinball machine, but you can play it on, on, on an on iPad now. Right. And so, like, that just freaks me out, because when I used to play pinball, I used to go to the pub and play pinball all the time in the 1990s <laughs> when I was alone and had nothing to do. <laughs> I'd just imagine if, if I'd been able to go to myself and say, one day you'll be able to play that in the bath. Yeah. I'd have gone, what, I can't remember, how big will the bath be? <laughs> and how am I going to get a pinball machine? I'll have to stand up in the bath. You're insane, future Richard Herring. And on a train, you'll be able to play it on a train. It'll tilt if you put it on the train, you're an idiot. You don't know anything. But it's a brilliant game, honestly, the Adam Slanny pinball. I can't get enough of it. I've got, one po- I've got over 1.5 billion twice now. No way. Uh, I'm very pleased with myself. I'll have to check that out. So, you know, you've got a, a celebrity mastermind and a pointless trophy, but, you know, I'd like to see you get 1.5 billion points on a f- pretend version of a pinball machine. Stand by for a screen grab. <laughs> <laughs> you download, download it. <laughs> Who would you rather died? This comes, out of, this comes out of a recent podcast. Can't we just do Win- normal press rather than trying to generate controversy? Uh, no. Who would you rather died, Windsor Davis or Matthew Crosby's who's, wife? Who's Windsor <laughs> Who's Windsor Davis? Who's Windsor Davis? No, no, not who's Matthew Crosby's wife. Who's Matthew Crosby? And Windsor Davis was in uh, Ain't Half Hot Mum and Never the Twain Shall Meet. Is it the one with the moustache? You really are young, as young as you claim. Yeah. Is that uh, the one with the moustache? <laughs> Donald yeah. Sindon. Uh, yeah, he was the other one with Donald Sindon and he was the, the sergeant major. Is he not dead? He's still, no, he's still alive, I think. I still haven't checked. Okay. 
Uh, I know who you mean. Hundred percent. Sergeant Major Mustache. Yeah. Or Matthew Crosby. You know Matthew Crosby, the comedian Matthew Crosby from Pappies. It, I, I can't remember even how it came up. I don't know. It's just an idea. She's a producer. She's a very lovely lady. Who would you... For some reason, it came up as an emergency I question. I can't wish Matthew Crosby's wife did. Taking or... a wish in Windsor Davis. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> a respected... He might be dead already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably by the time this comes out, he will be. It's when 2016 he, after all. When if he all. died today and the correlation be. was drawn? Well, it almost certainly... I mean, no, this, these go out so long in the future now that, you know, he probably will have died by the time this goes out. There we go, then. Or just something terrible will have happened. I've been... I'm trying to make... I've been... Who do you, th- who do you think will be the next celebrity, oh unexpected celebrity death? Because so it's what is quite clever about 2016 yeah. is you're prepared for it. You think, well, I'm right. Nothing's going to surprise me now. Yeah. Caroline Hearn, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. You know, so it surprises you because even though you know, you're not expecting that person to go, so who? I had a dream. I had a dream that Sarah Millican died, and I was I was really upset about that. This is such a bleak conversation. Yeah, yeah. can't we were thinking so about that horrible comes people true. dying or something? Yeah. Well, it's because this year's taken. That... Peter Sutcliffe has a fall. <laughs> Goes quickly. Yeah, well, Yorkshire Ripper. Uh, the Yorkshire Ripper will die this year. You heard it here yeah. first. I don't think that's really in keeping with the spirit of 2016 taking. Beloved people. No. Oh, you didn't say it had to be someone beloved. It doesn't have to be, but that's what 2016 has been like, hasn't it? I think if the no, Yorkshire no. Ripper died, that would be a bit of light relief. For right. someone, it'd be like, hooray! One we can have York- some fun with. The Yorkshire Ripper dies, but the headlines are so big that Biggins slips away as well and isn't reported. <laughs> have I pulled it back? Um, okay. <laughs> But he made me play the game. I don't <laughs> think that's happened to anyone. If you were Prime Minister, would you use a Trident nuclear weapons as a topical one for this week? Would I use would them you or, use or them? would I continue to develop would them? You have, would, you, would you have... Well, would you, would you pay, would, would would you pay for another... Them? Hey, I'm in charge. <laughs> Boom. Would you I just pay? wanted to see what it'd do. <laughs> the way <laughs> I see it is you fucking bought it, you use it. Right? Otherwise it's a waste. It's, it's a, a good, fucking waste. It's a good point. <laughs> would, you, would you have... Would you cancel Trident or would you carry yes. on having... It's a lot of money, isn't it, for something? Yeah. I, people like people are like that's what enables us to sit at the top table. Of the, you don't have a nuclear deterrent. You can't sit at the top table of the world. Have you seen the kind of psychopaths sat at the top <laughs> table of the world, all hitting each other with hammers? And the next table down, like Sweden and Norway, are having dinner together. Okay, would you pass the sword, please? I love the second table down. No. <laughs> Let's sit on that table without nuclear weapons. <laughs> But well, one of the benefits of Brexit is we are no longer at the top table. No, thanks, thanks to, thanks to everyone voting for us to leave. So. Mutually assured de- destruction. I, I don't get it. No. Well, I mean, you know, it sort of makes sense, but actually the threat now, I think, comes from people that you can't nuclear bomb back, doesn't it? So even if they come and get you, there's no way of getting people back because it's certain people and they're all over the world. So nuclear weapons are but sort of redundant. Even, even if they did, if someone, like, say I was in charge, I got rid of Trident nuclear weapons and then uh, and Kim Jong... Mm. He's got so many weapons, he has an orgasm every time he says his name. Kim Jong... <laughs> and uh, he was like, oh, you're gullible pricks. And then sent... A missile to, to the Britain. As I died in the nuclear dust, I'd think, at least we died unviolent bastards with our integrity intact. Because we'd be dead anyway in the event of a nuclear holocaust. So why yeah. not be one of the people that goes out not being one of the violent bastards? Fuck it. Well, that's, what, what, all you've got to lose is knowing that you fired a missile back before you were destroyed anyway. Yeah. I'd rather die thinking, I died in peace, bro. Uh, the thing with Trident is it's obviously it's on submarines. Yeah. So no one knows where it is and no one knows it's there. Yeah. Doesn't actually need to be there. You just have, no. to, you just have to say... Yeah. An imaginary... You just have to say it is there. Yeah. 
and we'll take the money. Or, you know, I, I think you could have a, Sch- a Schrodinger's trident. Yeah. Where no one, only the Prime Minister knows whether they did it or not. Yeah. So he, everyone on the submarine thinks that it could yeah. well be nuclear weapons. Yeah. Uh, everyone else it could be. And then, you know, only the Prime Minister. You'd only be able to tell because the NHS was still running. That, yeah. was, that, that, would be the, that would be the only clue. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to go now, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'll Everything's fucked. I mean, it's so fucked. It's, it's unbelievable. You were on Question Time talking about this, oh so let's God. talk about you being so, on Question Time. But we've both been asked to be on Question Time a few times, and both quite sensibly said no. Uh, I'm not a political person at all, really. I just pick stuff out of the paper to do stand-up about. You know, that's as far as my engagement goes. <laughs> I know it's terrible, but at least I'm being honest. And so they keep going, come on, man, you'd be, really, you'd be great. You're the voice of youth. And I'm like, eh, where's my Sinatrachin and Werther's? <laughs> and... Uh, they, uh, so they get, I had every time, one time before, I said, let me think about it, I'll let you know tomorrow. And I had a nightmare which recurred where I got asked a question about Turkmenistan and I didn't know where, <laughs> didn't know where it was. <laughs> so do you think Turkmenistan, where the fuck's Turkmenistan? You know, and I would wake up like covered in sweat and then look up where Turkmenistan was but still have the same dream the next night. Or that, you know, you just impulsively do something immature, which is basically our personality. Yeah. What if halfway through question time I just went to David and we smell my fart, granddad, and ran off. <laughs> and ended, ended my career. I just I can't be trusted not to do something like that. So I just kept saying no. In the end, because I'm trying to do this grown-up thing, I'm trying to be older now, ironically, and comb my hair and wear sensible clothes and all that shit, because BBC Three clothes and I've got a mortgage. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I spoke to my agent, he's like, it'd be a good thing to do, people can see that you're not, you know, this thicko that wears eyeliner and all that, and, and prances around a BBC Three and with spiky hair, and I thought, right, okay, okay, it's, 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 it's worth doing. I was so nervous, man, I was smoking Imodium on the train on the way up. <laughs> but in the end, in the, oh, and then, I, so just at the station, I'm, I'm really rubbish, I've got no sense of direction, I always get lost everywhere, I couldn't find, there's a taxi was supposed to meet us at Preston Station, couldn't find it, and Douglas Carswell, the UKIP dude, who was like, I'll take care of you, and found the taxi, helped me load my bag in, of course, now I'm like, oh no, I've got a moral obligation to uh, Douglas Carswell, and I'm not going to be able to be, I can't be horrible to someone that's helped me with something. So I was like, I didn't say anything bad about UKIP for the whole show, because <laughs> Douglas Carswell helped me with my bag. That's... <laughs> True. That's why we. It? That's why we voted to leave because you uh, <laughs> yeah. were just going around helping everyone with their that's bags. They did it. Well, got to vote like, for I them. I really love Polish people. Maybe you've forgotten that rucksack I left for you. Oh my god, Brexit. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was it was terrifying. But as soon as I sat down, this is why I think. Don't you think Richard would be brilliant on it, and he should do it? As soon as I sat down. No. no, no. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> for our amusement. It's win-win, because if he's good, it'll be entertaining, but if he's, he thinks we'll be... <laughs> and, uh, but as soon as you sit down and you realise the audience are just normal people like all of us, and it's quite refreshing to hear someone that isn't up to their eyes in research and briefings talk about stuff in an honest way. Though you Actually, everyone's on your side. You've got to really go some to turn the audience against you. I could do that. Yeah. I could. <laughs> Uh, but, but I think also the, you you felt like you know a voice of the, the people there. You were talking about you know your your family voting to I was leave. Just totally honest. Yeah. Uh, before I, it's the only thing I've ever done where I had I've had hatred and trolling before. Like when you do stuff on TV, it's humour at the end of the day. What one in ten people find you funny if you're lucky. It's the same in everyday life for anyone. 
And uh, so, but I've never ever had tonight's laid up will be, and I was there, and I, I didn't get off Twitter quick enough, or some of the poison got in. Fucking hell, there'll be five comedians on, except that cunt's not funny. Uh, it's just, it was, it was unbelievable. Why isn't yeah. it Grimshaw on it and all this stuff? It was just wouldn't. It was horrific. Like people really hated me, and I hadn't even been on it, so I fucking deactivated my Twitter for the day. And uh, that didn't help. But when I, when I got on it, I th- everyone was like, you're going to kneel down and fillet Jeremy Corbyn, hashtag Remina. So I thought, I've got to go on and surprise people. So I thought, well, annoyingly, that is what I'm like. <laughs> because I'm a lefty, rug-covered-in-hummus comedian, just like the rest of us. And free Palestine. But, but I thought, what I can do is represent where I'm from. Because everyone I'm related to and every friend... I go out with, because I, st- I just go out with people I grew up with rather than showbiz people. We're all like fucking Polish people taking our job. They're the ones driving the wages. So I thought, I'll represent that whilst disagreeing with it. So the best of both yeah. worlds. But that's, you know, that, 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 I think that's something I wouldn't have, you know. Yeah. I, don't, I, think, I think that I would just come across. I, mean, I, I just couldn't. It's bad enough on Twitter, to, you know, questioning whether at, at the moment this is a topical thing. Jeremy Corbyn is a good Labour leader or not, you know, and I'm not, I, I don't mind him. I'm not sure he's the right leader. I, I went for it. I did go for him a bit because yeah. someone like me is your typical, at last, someone who's going to change things, Jeremy Corbyn lover. And I've got a lot of time for what he represents, but I don't have much time for how he's activated what he represents. It's got worse and worse and worse. Till I think my argument on question time, you didn't see it, was where are the voices on the left owning the Brexit argument? Okay, I'm a Remainer, but I would have liked some people go, I'm anti-Europe because of this, this and this. And I do think there's a problem with immigration, but I'm left-wing, but this is how we deal with it. There was no one, none mm-hmm. of those voices. So the right completely hijacked that debate, and that's where you see UKIP going into that vacuum. So that's why I was annoyed with him, because I suspect that Jeremy Corbyn is, thinks Europe's a load of shit, and it's a con, it's undemocratic, and it's full of elites. He should have just fucking gunned for that and argued against Cameron, and everyone would have had a lot more respect for him. But he didn't. He sort of did a limp, pseudo-Remain campaign, and it yeah. just fell between two stalls. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Shame, but shame. at least we've got an Australian-style points-based system. <laughs> Which is no, not, no one's going to be happy. It's not probably not going to happen. No. Uh, and everyone will be, and, and then it'll be much, much worse. We're fucked. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. But he's not. He's for all the people who get upset. Yeah, he's, he's nice. <laughs> yeah, he's, what he represents is good. But how he. But it is. But he's, but how he's the leader of the Labour Party, so he needs to represent everyone in the Labour Party. So like, and you can't. I don't think as a leader of a democratic party you can just go this is what I think and this is what we're going to do yeah. I think it's talked of like the MPs are staging a coup but I think you know what the way he got into power yeah. was using the fucking stupid middle class idiot goodwill of going oh yes Jeremy we'll let you have a go and well done to him for doing that yeah. but it was as much and then getting loads <laughs> of people to pay three pounds to vote you know it's it's it's, a, it's as much a coup and they're trying to take over and, and make an extremely left wing party which is fine but then that doesn't represent the people who no, voted for them. I would have stood down. Fair play to him. He's like, Jeremy, everyone hates you. And he's like, get my microphone. <laughs> I mean, one heckle, I'm like, oh, the gig's over. I need to run off stage and cry. But I also <laughs> wouldn't mind if it was any other time. I wouldn't, you know, it was... Michael, Michael Foote was, the, was, a great, was a great leader, never going to get elected, and he's a fantastic guy. He's played by Windsor Davis. <laughs> he was. Uh, and, uh, you know, but it was the timing of it. It was fine because the yeah. Labour were never going to get in for a few years anyway. But we need like a strong opposition to the Tories and 
you know, this to fill this fill this power vacuum that Adolf Hitler would love. Adolf, if Adolf Hitler were here, he'd be going, "Oh, <laughs> lovely Great Britain now. It's just ripe for me to go in." Yeah, but you know, Donald Trump's going to win, and then it's all irrelevant anyway, isn't it? Well, that's why everyone like that's what I was trying to say to my friends and stuff, stuff like that is like maybe focus on what if Donald Trump becomes president. No, no, I want to know whether the borders in Brussels or in Dover or Calais. It's like that. None of that is going to mean shit if Donald Trump vaporizes the whole fucking world, <laughs> and there'll still be people from Essex sinking into the nuclear dust, going, "At least we're not part of Europe." That's progress. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wanted to quickly talk to you about this because uh, I've had a similar experience. But you had, uh, uh, and I'm similarly obsessed with this. But you were you when you had a parcel delivered that you waited outside. I've I've had this yodel kept on saying they caught delivered my part. Uh, Red-handed, pa- yeah. yeah. And you caught your guys. Who was who was it? Was D- not- DPD, right? Okay, which isn't a porn term. It's a delivery service. <laughs> and. Uh, I was... Has anyone get DPD where you track him? You can see him. You know, John is 15 minutes away. It's quite exciting if it's something you really want. If like you primed it off Amazon. Pay your taxes. And, uh, and sorry, of another service that pays the tax. And, um, and I, it was getting closer and closer. So I waited with the front door open, sort of waiting to... Re- I could see it next door, next door. And then it just blinked. Sorry, we missed you. He just went straight to sorry, we missed you. I caught, I caught him yeah. red-handed. So I was tweeting and going nuts. And then... The Daily Mirror picked it up as it was happening and was like, comedian hides... They changed it to hides in garden. Like, like, <laughs> they, they had it that I was... They had it I was in the bush waiting for it. <laughs> Anyone in? I'm here. And I, and so the story ran within an hour. Then DPD phoned me. Yeah. And then the driver turned up two hours later, the same driver that was already in the national. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Was he? Did he? Was he pleased to see it? Appears to have been a breakage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and now I have to see him. He's still the same driver in every time. <laughs> oh God. Because that's weird my... that he got so close and then didn't bother. I mean, he obviously, what, he obviously, I think what happens sometimes is they're just they, they're just driving nearby and scanning them off just so they can get round their round. Yeah, yeah no, but what possible where... motivation could you have for not delivering? I suppose if you're being tracked, then you have to. Because I think with Yodel, they, they pay them. I mean, it's not the driver's fault because they pay the drivers like seventy nine p a delivery or something. They don't even pay for their petrol. Right. I've talked to quite a few people like because I got few. I was in. I waited in all day for this thing to be. So they were collecting something and then it happened twice and both times I said. No, no, he came in, and then they said, and he left a card. And I said, no, he no didn't. Card. He didn't. That's, <laughs> he that's did. And they gave me the time, and they, you know, and and he, I knew that I was I was in the, the basement looking upwards, and would have been able to hear him walking that's weird, up the path, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was ready, but I didn't know what shackles here. But I didn't know what time he was coming, so I made a big thing. You know, I did the same thing on Twitter, made a big joke out of it, you know, and then wrote articles about it in the Metro and stuff because <laughs> you get back at people. But it's, but then I felt quite bad because I think in a way. Yeah. Those guys are being, you know, you, if you were doing that and you're getting 79p and you were 10 miles away, you'd go, oh, fuck it, no, yeah. he probably won't be in anyway. Have you caught them doing a knock and run? I mean, the, the bell <laughs> has barely... You know when the, afterwards the, door, the doorbell's still doing its after reverb and they're already down the path on the after reverb. It could become like an Olympic sport, couldn't it, like that? <laughs> Under half a second and knock But it's kind of cra- it's crazy, like people, you know, the, the companies that use them they're not delivering the stuff so it's just massively inconvenient for everyone they're, char- they're undercutting everyone mm. by making it really cheap yep. and so it's the people who run these things parcels are... there ladies and gentlemen yeah <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm furious about it yeah. <laughs> did you ever when you were in Enfield did you ever go to 40 Hill House yes yeah how was it it's good yeah, yeah what's there 
Yeah, and 40, 40 Hall and all the ground yeah. around there. So we used to go for walks and like if we went out with this, like the school and a field yeah. trip, we had to throw your quadrant down in biology, do you remember? <laughs> to throw it down and work out if, you know, clover was super abundant or not. <laughs> I can love that lesson. Good. <laughs> Did you not use quadrants? I know. Do you know, do you know no, we didn't have them in you my had to day. Throw it, it was in biology. So you had to throw, randomly throw your quadrant down and then you had to sort of write down old grass, super abundant in this sample. <laughs> Daisies abundant, rare, frequent. I still remember it all. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. It's good to serve you well. such a swat at school. Still remembering biology from when I was 14. <laughs> Let it go, Russ. <laughs> you know, your MySpace page is still operational. I saw, yeah, someone told me that. Yeah, it's okay. So I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're the second comedian. I can't remember who the other one was. It was Tony Law's one. Is also... You can also see Tony Law from 15 years or 10 years ago. He's changed a lot as well. Uh, so, um, you, you joked in a, uh, a, an interview you did that you, Anne Widdicombe was your perfect woman. Was that a joke or is that because she's on, she's on my list of celebrities I'm allowed to have sex with? I don't remember saying you know. that. Someone else asked me about this the other right. day. I don't know why I've said that. Well, you're probably being glib. Yeah, probably, yeah. But, you know, I will have sex with Anne Widdicombe <laughs> if, if she consents. Yeah. That's the only mm. stipulation. I'm not going to hunt her down, like Stuart Lee, I mean Hall. Uh, and uh, <laughs> okay, I always get those two confused. Um, she's, she's, oh, have you ever met her or worked with her? Or no, oh, Marcus Brigstock has, though. He like, says she's, he's she's genuinely like, exactly the same yeah. in real life. Sexy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be nice. Have you got a celebrity shag li- list of five celebrities you're allowed to have sex with and your wife won't divorce? No. Okay. <laughs> no, fuck all on that list, you anchor. I'm wearing a northern wedding ring, so it's like a normal wedding ring, so it's got stones in so it can repel a woman from an extra hundred metres. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be single or not. My corneas have been burnt out. Fuck off, <laughs> What's your favourite... Do you like museums? What's your favourite museum? Because we talked about 40... Is there a museum? Do you when you're tra- when you're touring? Do you go and look at stuff? I did. Just go I, to- did go, I genuinely went to the Van Gogh Museum. Oh, in, yeah. in Amsterdam and enjoyed that. You know, it's just something to do. It is. While you were there, have you been to the Anne Frank House in? Yes, Amsterdam? I went there as well. That was also awesome. crowded Actually, up there. It's it? very crowded. They must have been very uncomfortable up there. <laughs> the Sex Museum in Amsterdam actually really is. Yeah, I haven't been to that. Laugh. Let's go. So not mainly Amsterdam-based Amsterdam. museums. Yeah. I don't, I don't really, I get, I've got a very short attention span with walking around looking at stuff. Yeah. Weirdly, I can sit down and read a novel for hours and hours and hours, but I'm not a big uh, museum-y type person. Mm-hmm. Galleries and stuff. I'm like, ugh. You know, you, I can take the painting and that's it. I'm done in a second, Botticelli, done, next one. And then you sort of have to sit there thinking, like, thinking of something else profound five minutes later and I get, <laughs> I get bored, 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 bored. Mm-hmm. I, I like science-y stuff, so pro- it would probably have to be Natural History Museum. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. That's good, though. They've got a nice little place down underneath where they can take the kids. Yeah. It's nice, just because we're dads now. So yes. if you go to the, oh, no, it's the science museum, actually. Science museum, which is next door to it. That's cracking, the science yeah. museum. It's got the fart machine in it. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's very good. If any of you have got kids, I mean, you wouldn't be out, would you? So I don't know why I'm asking. Yeah. It's only because we work at night, we have to. All right, the, I'll ask a couple more emergency questions, and uh, hopefully I'll do better than the museum atmosphere we've created. Yeah. <laughs> I've been copying other people's emergency questions. This is a popular one from MarshallJonesJr.com. But, you know, for you, I think this might be an interesting question. Have you ever tried sushi? Have you ever tried it? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want to know. 
I thought it was some Russian spy satire or something in a yeah. on the back of that. <laughs> when? Uh, earlier. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, this is from lifehacks.io. If you could jump into a pool of something, what would it be? It can be anything in the pool. It doesn't have to be water. People. A pool of people. Yeah. <laughs> With no clues on. Um, yeah, a pool of yeah. people. That'd, That'd be, be nice. nice. You'd probably hurt. Banging techno on the outside. You'd hurt a few of them, though, right? I was just how far you... If you're just stage diving. Yeah. yeah. No, no, Paul, like... Not from a high board into the people, then a few of them are kind of badly hurt. You'd be killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Instantly. I would never get to enjoy the experience. This is a very important question. This might be the one we end on, but we'll see. From Ali's Randomage. You know how good Ali is at coming up with random questions. Randomage? Yeah, Randomage. Oh, I hate unnecessary noun or... (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever flown a kite... Have I ever flown a kite? Yeah. Yeah, loads of time. How was it? <laughs> it was good. Any kite-based stories came out of flowing the flying the kite? Fucking hell, man. Specialist to these questions. This is the, la- hey, this is the last got- question. We've got to make it good. How many people in this room have got a kite story? I've got... I've, I've come up with three already from us. It's been a very productive, surprisingly productive question, this. Kite? I bet you'll think of something. It'll be afterwards in the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I'll, I'll come back and I'll tell them the next podcast next week. I'll come back next week and tell them. Oh, yeah. my, Can you wait around till next week? You lot? My, me and my... The thing is, like, when, when I was a, a kid, I was into more sort of stay and use your imagination type games. Yeah. And my dad was very physical, sporty. So we didn't have many of those shared freaking experiences because I would rather have stayed in my room and, and written a story about a magical kite rather than <laughs> gone out and played with a kite. So I, that's one of the things of my life where me and my old man was like, like the, it finished with him building a gym at the bottom of our garden we had a former council house and he built a lean-to coming off of his shed which was a gym where we were supposed to go and like build ourselves out there's protein shakes in the house me and my brother and of course i now had a space at the bottom of the garden where no one could hear me mirror lights so i was just learning show tunes and stuff <laughs> like that and, will we ever reach ours dorothy will we and uh, so, yeah, but I mean, kite's quite camp, isn't it? So I'm surprised I didn't it do is, it more often. But you see, the kite question sometimes doesn't have to be about a kite. No. <laughs> and sometimes we learn more about you from what comes from the kite question. Yeah. It's, that's, that's why Ali is a genius of yeah. coming up with a I mean, random itch. Liberated a childhood Because you think, then. oh, that's a stupid question, and then bang, out we get this yes. thing we would never have heard of otherwise if it weren't for the kites. I mean, it's not a closer, but, you know, it still was... Yeah. It was still better than it looked. OK, have you, have you ever... I bet you have. Have you ever seen a ghost? Uh, I'm total cynical atheist. Don't believe in anything. Don't believe I've ever had uh, an experience like that. But when I, say I'm, when I say I'm cynical, I've also got a childish desire for shit like that to be true. Even yeah. though the... The science intellectual part of my brain won't allow it to be true. So whenever anyone says, this house is definitely haunted, we're doing a camp out, a few friends, I would probably go. I wouldn't go, oh, there's definitely no such thing as ghosts. I, want you to go. I would go and I would want it to be freaking true. And the last one, has anyone ever done one of those ghost experiences where you stay up through the night? And it was in Bir- Birmingham, and me and Lindsay went, and we were in this old house that was supposed to be haunted. Yeah. But because all the people and spiritualists were brummy, I just couldn't. They would have a good spirit, please. Anybody spirit? I feel an energy spirit plays. <laughs> it just totally ruined the whole experience. They have these things called K2s. If you, is anyone, someone else must have been to one of these experiences. You buy them on red letters, though. And uh, 
they, you put it on the ground, and when it grow, it glows, starts flickering green, and there's a presence in them. But all it is is a torch that's been half done up, so that the element is now and again connecting with the battery. It's like, are you five years old? And then, <laughs> and then they give you this bit of wire with the string on it, so if it starts going one way, but it, you can just see people going, oh, it's moving, it's definitely moving. It's because you're moving your bell end. Stand still. <laughs> Uh, it never works for me. I, I can't be hypnotised. I never see ghosts. Every, I've been to see, um, uh, you know, like the, the psychic people. Yeah. And Linz, Lindsay and I, we argue about it sometimes. She, like, but do you believe in stuff like this? I do believe there's a presence and ghosts and stuff like that. Sally can wait. She's a man. And, uh, yeah. So I seem to hate her from that impression. Well, well, but <laughs> before we got married, yeah, okay. there's a guy. There's a guy. A guy from South End near where I'm from, and he's he's. Uh, He's supposed to be one of the best. You know, when someone tells you this guy's real, he's definitely real. This is a psychic. Uh, who's, who's been to see psychics? It's just for a laugh. Like, no one wants to admit it. This audience. They're a very rational audience. We care about his hummus and property. And no, but I, I went, and he, he was, he's, he's a wheelchair user, which shouldn't have anything to do with it, but he uses it to sort of build the mystic... Like I'm more in tune with my psychic powers because I'm physically incapacitated. He was, he was playing that card. I'm sorry, but he was. So we've gone, we've gone in. He obviously is a bit aware of, of who I am and knows my age, the real one. And I, <laughs> I've gone and sat down and the guy... I think it works by people giving away little bits of information. So if I say to you, are you, are you a manual labourer? And I can see by your body language you're not. I can then adjust my next guest accordingly. Stand-ups use it a lot mm -hmm. when they're speaking to the front row. It's just a highly tuned version. So I sit like that going, yes, no, like I, I, give, <laughs> I give nothing. But with my mind open thinking my dad's, you know, like my dad, this guy didn't know my dad was dead. And I'm thinking yeah. my dad's dead, my dad's dead, mention it. And I didn't never, didn't pick up my old man was dead. And then, so we were asking about the wedding and he went, I want you to know, if I was to say on your mother's side, a white haired man looking down <laughs> at you, would that ring a bell? I was like, my, my granddad, my mum's dad. So I'm 40 here, so he's thinking I'm onto one here. And he said, I want you to know on your wedding day that your granddad will be looking down on you. And I, like, I hope so, he's coming up from Luton. <laughs> going strong the sweat was like that on his face <laughs> my granddad fucking like, goes on holiday plays bowls fucking repping it full head of hair yes get in granddad <laughs> that's a pretty weak uh, medium isn't it there's an, on your mother's side there's a man with white hair but, but it, is it, that true but yeah. if he's reading he, he looks <laughs> running around the, yeah but they look at your age and they, they, they sort of get, they can make a guess whether your grandparents are alive based on yeah. how old you I mean, I don't know why people fall for this shit. And then Lindsay's like, what harm does it do if people believe it? It gives them comfort. And I actually, I actually think it's fucking cruel to give people false uh, voices that aren't there. And B, it stops people grieving properly and moving on and healing and fa facing mm. shit. So I don't, I don't think it's, it's harmless. I'd put all of religion in that pot. <laughs> 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 yeah, so yeah, we, argue, we argue about that all the time. I do yeah. believe everything happens for a reason. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Sometimes a glass just gets knocked over. There's not a grand plan or anything. It's flowing towards Grand Canaria. We better go on holiday there. It's a sign. It's like, it isn't a sign. There's no fucking sign there. Like, and Lindsay's, Lindsay's mum's a, a reflexologist. I'm very careful what I say. She's like, <laughs> she's, like, she's like, I can massage you to... I can heal you through your feet as long as it's not something that can be measured or seen. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, everything. Every, every, although I find it very comforting to be around that type of warm, fuzzy, maternal 
spiritual energy. I don't believe in it. So everything has a meaning. And butterflies are dead relatives. Anyone got anyone else that does this? <laughs> butterflies are out, not my dad or her own mum. Oh, my own mother's come to visit me, Agnes. And then it flew, flew away. She was like, goodbye, mother. And I'd seen the same thing on a dog shit two minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say anything. But I, who's, who's the loser in that situation? Me. I'm the one that doesn't have this amazing spiritual belief in a God. People who believe in God live longer. It's a fucking uncomfortable statistic for people like me, but they do. It's probably to do with the community of getting together on a Sunday. There's probably some neuroprotective benefit. And they don't have any fun. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's, that's the, <laughs> yeah. Don't do anything that's fun, so they're not at any risk. Withered so forearms, where, where they never wank. All the men have got withered forearms. I'm, so <laughs> I'm so religious, my forearm is withered. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't even get the helmet anymore in a basic grip. <laughs> wow, I think that's a, that's a good place. Good place to leave it. Ladies and gentlemen, Russell Kay! Thank you. One of the Russells. been listening to Richard Herring's That's the Square Theatre podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Russell Kane. The music's by Pest. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. Thank you to everyone at Go Fast Let's Drive. Thank you to everyone at uh, the British Comedy Guide. I almost sound sarcastic in the way I'm trotting that out, but I mean it. I really do. I really want to thank you. Thanks to my producer, Ben Walker, and to temporary producer, sound man, incompetent George. George, if you like George, you have a fetish about politicians' feet, do get in touch with him. Who will happily talk that through with you. Uh, it's a fuzz, Sky Potato, and GoFasterStrike.com production. How do you like them Sky Potatoes? I like them quite a lot. Thank you very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStrike.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.